Hello and welcome to season three of For the Love of Duluth. My name is Tom Jamison. I'm a former lawyer who moved to Duluth about seven years ago. I moved to Duluth after I bought a business called Lake Superior Medical Equipment, hanging up my lawyer hat after 25 years. Joining me is my co-host, Yvonne Myers, a registered nurse and lifelong Duluthian, and of course, the marketing director for Lake Superior Medical Equipment. So why did we start a podcast called For the Love of Duluth? Because we love our town and the people and places that inhabit it. If you already live in Duluth, we hope this podcast will teach you things you never knew before about the place we call home. If you are planning to visit Duluth, we hope this podcast can act as a tour guide of sorts, giving you an inside look at the best people, places, and things that make up our unique city. Duluth is a star of the show here, and our guests help it shine even brighter. We hope you love this podcast as much as we love the city it is named after. This is season three of For the Love of Duluth. What's better than a delicious meal with a unique atmosphere and views of Lake Superior? The answer, not much. While the shores of Lake Superior are lined with special and distinctive places to eat and drink, there are a few that stand out for the best reason. Sir Benedict's Tavern on the lake is one of them. Sir Ben's for short, the spot is anything but ordinary. A classic English-style pub serving homemade soups, mouth-watering sandwiches, and brews on tap. A local favorite, the menu at Sir Ben's is eclectic, with everything from German pretzels to hummus to burritos. They also offer tasty desserts, crisp salads, and house-made pizza with a focaccia crust. But don't put Sir Ben's in a box. They also have burritos, nachos, and cheesy bread. Is your mouth watering yet? The only thing better than the food? The views. In true Duluth fashion, Sir Ben's has unbeatable views of Lake Superior and a large patio that gives the restaurant goers jaw-dropping views and one-of-a-kind dining experience. It even scored the title of Best Outdoor Seating in Duluth for the spring, summer, and fall months. The lake and the food and the location make Sir Ben's a triple threat. The restaurant switched hands in 2015 and today stands as one of the busiest restaurants in Duluth. Whether a local who visits often or a tourist checking it out for the first time, everyone leaves Sir Ben's full and happy and far from bored. The space also has a packed calendar full of entertainment with live music several nights a week. The success story that it is today can be traced back to its owner, Josh Stotts, a Duluth he grew up in the Woodland area and stayed in the Twin Ports for college. As fate would have it, a career change and a chance encounter led him on a fortuitous path to owning Sir Ben's. Eight years later, the business is thriving. Here to talk about Sir Ben's is the owner, Josh Stotts. He balances running the restaurant with family life, raising a son and daughter with his wife, Kayla, and tending to their three pets. Josh, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. We uh, we really appreciate you spending time here. Yeah. Uh, we, I I know you're busy because I know how busy your restaurant is from firsthand experience. How did you, let's, let's start with kind of how you wound up in Duluth. Sounds like you were born and raised here. And like a lot of our guests, you wound up sort of never leaving. So why don't you, uh, why don't you talk a little bit about where you grew up and uh, what your, your, your childhood was like and how it kind of uh, took you to this path you're on now? Well, I mean, I had, you know, kind of an everyday childhood. I grew up in an upper woodland, as people call it now. I went to Cobb Elementary School, um, Woodland Junior High, East High School. Um, you know, most of the places that I hung out at when I was a kid aren't even the same anymore. I mean, I ran around in Hartley Field when I was a kid, right. and um, me and my friends would... Uh, 
would, uh, you know, take canoes and, and uh, bring them down to Hartley Field and go fishing and fish the streams and spent a lot of time in Hartley. And back then there was nobody there, you know. Right. It's buzzing with activity and they've got great kids programs and things going on. But yeah, I mean, it was a you know pretty typical Duluth childhood of uh, playing hockey and fishing and um, running around outside and a little different than it is today, obviously, with having kids of my own. It's, uh, right. you know, you're battling electronics now and whatnot. But Yeah, uh, but do, you, do they still get outdoors? Do they oh, still yeah. kind of appreciate everything that Duluth has to offer? Absolutely. Yeah, it was actually a proud dad moment last night. I taught my son how to uh, clean crappies. Um, so uh, oh, that's I, great. I was fishing on Sunday and he asked if he could help. And so I showed him how to do it and he cleaned a couple fish on his own and didn't slice his hand open or anything. Oh, that's so, great. And he was happy to do it. So That's yeah, great. Yeah, where, yeah. where did you wind up ice fishing? And if it's a secret lake, you don't have to oh, say. No, that's all right. We were I, A friend of mine has a, a place down by McGregor. So I oh. went down there on Sunday and we fished uh, Big Sandy and just ran oh, okay. and yeah, yeah. Day. It was beautiful. And you, and you did fun. okay? At least you got your crappies? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the wife wanted a uh, little fish fry. So normally I don't keep fish. I just like to get outside and, and fish. But uh, but yeah, so she uh, she asked for a fish fry and luckily I was able to deliver. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, that's wonderful. So you uh, you grew up here, went to, uh, went to high school here. Did you go to uh, one of the high schools right here in Duluth? Yeah, I went to uh, East High School, cool. um, which is now East Middle School, I believe. So, oh, all right. Um, okay. So yeah, I went to Duluth East High School and... Uh, yeah, I was there full time my freshman, sophomore, and part of my junior year, and then I did uh, PSEO um, and went to UMD full time the second half of my junior year and my entire senior year. And did you graduate from UMD? Uh, no, I graduated from UWS. So. UWS, but you yeah. had already a lot of college credit. Yeah, so when I was at UMD uh, many, many, many years ago, uh, it was still on quarters. They weren't on semesters like they are now. So I was able to uh, build up a lot of credits, and basically when I started college. I was freshman in college age-wise, but I was almost a junior credit-wise. Wow. Uh, wow. So, which was a great way to save money as a kid, you know. Um, right. I grew up with a very blue-collar family, and dad worked two jobs. Mom worked when she could, and uh, so it was nice to be able to go to college for almost two years for free and then uh, jump right in and, and get done as fast as I could. So. Wow. So, okay. So, UWS. So, mm-hmm. what did you get your degree in? Uh, I have a degree in management. Management. So, you know, okay. Business administration, they call it, with a sure. concentration in management. Sure. So r- roughly, just so we have kind of a time frame, when, when did you wind up graduating? I graduated in 2002, 2003. And um, normally you would have graduated in 2005 or something yeah, like or that. Five. Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah, Wow. So that's so. amazing. So you're really young. You're you're now done with college mm-hmm. and you're, you're really young. You're mm-hmm. like 20 years old, something mm-hmm. like that. So what do you do? Well, uh, you know, I, I just jumped right into the workforce, really. Uh, I had always worked. I my parents, like I said, were pretty blue collar. And the, I remember when I was a kid, I asked my dad for a Nintendo and he said, well, how are you going to pay for it? And, <laughs> Good for him. You know, at that time, paper routes were the thing. And growing up in Upper Woodland there, you know, if you were able to get a paper route, it was good as gold. And uh, there was no paper routes available. So uh, me and some buddies, uh, our our parents kind of got together. We were all hockey friends. And they said, you should go down to North and Country Club and, and caddy. Sure. And so we were 12 years old at the time. So we all met up at 530 in the morning at right. one of our houses and rode our bikes down down to Northland, which wow. was quite the quite the haul from uh, from Woodland all the way down to, to Lakeside area. And right, and it's even worse going the other way. Well, luckily our parents would pick us up. <laughs> oh, so good. they said yeah. if you if yeah. you if you caddied twice in a day, then they would uh, they would come and yeah, pick no us up. Kidding. So after walking thirty six holes, yeah, carrying old, especially if bags. you're doubling. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh and, man. And back then, I mean, the bags weren't like they no, are now. You no. know, so, holy cow. Um, 
Um, so yeah, you had a lot of, uh, strap bruises on your oh, shoulders yeah. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, so I started caddying at Northland when I was 12 and, um, just kind of worked my way through the ranks there. And, and so when I graduated college, it was kind of, I mean, it was just, I was naturally already working and I mean, I worked two, three jobs when I was in college. And so I just kind of continued my way through Northland and really wanted to get like into a corporate area and, and right. thought about doing something like that. And so, yeah, so I worked at the Olive Garden when that first opened. Oh, sure, sure. That was one of the reasons I, I kind of would leave Northland and then be like, ah, I like Northland back, you know, well, right. just a private club. You can kind of, uh, kind of tailor your service to you know, right. how people are and, and what they want. And, you know, you knew every time Mr. So-and-so would come in, this is what he would want to eat. This is what he would want to drink right this is where so you went sit, from so. caddying at northland to working in there in yeah. the clubhouse in the in the, in the yeah, restaurant I, sh I shined shoes i was a locker room boy oh, wow. for, for many years and uh yeah so i caddied was a bag room boy i wouldn't um they called it the picker so i mean i wouldn't even get paid for it but we just liked hanging out there so right. we would go out on the range and pick golf balls and right. we got to drive golf carts so you know that was our pay, did you ever basically. take up the game did you ever Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, actually played a lot of golf. Really got involved with it. Um, tried to play competitively for a little bit. Oh but really? Didn't okay. Have, uh, didn't have the patience, I guess. Uh, yeah, but the... you're you're a hockey player. I I struggle <laughs> at the game mightily, and I never played hockey. But all the friends in Northland is full of ex hockey players, oh, yeah, you yeah. know, and they can all hit the ball a mile. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And it's and golf is one of those games where you have to be able to kind of shut your mind off and right, right. take it step by step. And I just I could never do it. So yeah. I, I loved playing the game and my dad played, so it was good. Uh, oh, he father, did. Yeah, okay. Father, son time, um, you know, bonding with him and being able to bring him to Northland and play because we could play once or twice a week. Right. Um, you must have loved that. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. And then when I stopped working in Northland, I realized how expensive golf was. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was like, yeah. I, I don't know, I, you know, 70 bucks to play 18 holes is a lot of money. So yeah. did you, I know there's there can be a lot of camaraderie among the caddies. Do you, do you still stay in touch with anyone? Do you know any of the people you caddied with and? Oh yeah, yeah. My uh, so uh, Clint Johnson, who is the GM up at Ridgeview Country Club, um, he was my caddy master when I was a oh, kid. Cool. And so you know, he and I talk quite a bit, and and there's still people that I, I mean, obviously my good friends that I'm still really close with. But I'll see people just out on the streets or just out in public, and um, they'll be like, "Hey, didn't you work in Northland?" Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I know we caddy together, and and so I mean, Duluth is obviously a big city, but it's a really small community. Right, so it's, right, right. It's neat to be able to kind of stay in touch with a lot of those people. And, yeah, and just randomly see people. And right, it's like you're right there again. Right, so. and, and some of the members you you learn which members are decent people, and you oh, learn yeah. you learn what jerks are like, and yeah, well, and you learn knows. money can't buy happiness. Right, That's the right, one yeah, thing, you know? oh yeah, so yeah. It's uh, it was very apparent. You know, there was a lot of some of the coolest members were the ones that could afford anything they wanted. You know? Right, and right, right. Some of the ones that weren't were the ones that could hardly afford oh, yeah. to do what they were doing. You know, so yep. and then some of the ones that were very well off were just never happy and. No. So it's, I know it's it's funny it's funny but it did teach me a lot of really good life lessons. I mean, being able to, you know, walk four hours with these very successful, whether they're business people or doctors right. or whomever they are, you know, they would try to kind of take you under their wing and right. and you'd end up being kind of their regular caddy and, you know, you'd caddy for them every Tuesday or Thursday or whatever right. it was. So, um, you know, men and women for that fact. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. That's really, it's, it's a great, uh, it's a great grounding. It's a great, uh, well, it's a great way to, to make some some money, some walking around money when you're, when you're you know, young and go, getting 
through school, oh, yeah. but it is also a great way to sort of understand what people with with money are like, both the good and the bad side. And yeah. um, and that's a good life lesson yeah. to learn. Well, in the game of golf with just manners and right, right, you know, right. learning to, when to be quiet and when to walk and when not. And, right. You know, right. so it was, uh, it was definitely, a, a, I'm happy my parents made me do it. Yeah. <laughs> let's put do it you, that way. Do you still golf? Uh, on occasion, yeah. I mean, just not as much as I used to, let's put it that way. So, yeah. Um, I maybe golf a couple times you know handful of times a summer so yeah kids getting into it at all yeah my son really likes it which is neat um to see him want to want to play and um i've taken him out a couple times and that's and... that's going to wind up getting you out more probably mm-hmm. correct yeah. that's kind of what happened to me yeah. like i didn't really play for a long time and then had kids and then they started kind of getting into it and then then it was like well we were trying to get out as much as we could because it's still just a fun thing to do with my kids. They're grown. Oh yeah, grown yeah. Up now. And their hobbies become your hobbies, right? Just naturally, exactly. You know? mm-hmm. so exactly. As did much you as ever you... get your Nintendo? I did. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I probably Good played question. it every day for a month, and then got sick of it, and was like, "Why am I doing this?" <laughs> yeah. you know? Or else my parents would go outside, so, right? Right. You know, and just right. go uh, go run around outside, or go play yeah. in the streets, as they used to say. So <laughs> exactly. And we digress. I apologize. We got into golf, and that's, yeah, that's all right. That's just a wormhole for me. <laughs> what was your first job? after uh, after college then? So my first job, like real job after college would have been business-wise when I used my degree was uh, I helped Mary Kay and Jim Baraducci open up um, the Bene Cafe. Oh, so, did you? Okay. So Northen at that time place, was yeah. being torn down or was slated to be torn down. Right. And um, so they were kind of trying to figure out what they were going to do with employees and, and they really didn't know. And Jim and Mary Kay had approached me and said, hey, we're opening this cafe and you know we're looking for somebody to help us. And, and at first I was just kind of like, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. This sounds kind of fun, you know? Um, but again, you know, really young, 20, 21 years old at that time. And uh, it was a great experience going from basically a building that was gutted and, uh, you know, to this concept that they had to helping them with, con- you know, construction and planning that. Um, and then essentially opening up the Bene, you know, and, and it's a lot different than it was when, when they first opened it. But uh, it was a great learning experience. I did it. I was there for about a year and a half. And then when Northland was opening the building again or the new clubhouse, they had asked if I'd come back. And as you do with your career, you kind of right, right. Step Step up here, step up there. And, right. and so uh, I went back to Northland and, and was part of that um, journey of opening a new huge clubhouse and working out of a big tent for a couple months and trying to keep people happy under a big tent. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, I, I didn't know. I didn't know any of that piece. I mean, I know the clubhouse is relatively new and yeah. stuff, but I, I didn't know about uh, you having to work out of a tent. So, yeah. so Vabene, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Vabene. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I always thought it was Vabene. So it's Vabene. Okay. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure. No, I think I'm sure Italians would probably con- pronounce it the other <laughs> yeah, way. <laughs> yeah. You helped them open that up, mm-hmm. which is just funny because it's literally kitty corner from yeah yeah it's very but um you went back to northland Mm -hmm. and helped them open up so now you've really got opening up two restaurants Mm -hmm. under your belt now Mm -hmm. yeah so then how long were you at northland oh man i was there till i was 27 28 i was at northland till like when i finally just left left and was done um right um so yeah i left there Uh, i was the food and beverage director when i left and it was a lot of fun i mean it was just the energy and the weddings and i mean every day was different which was cool you know i mean a lot of people walk into an office every day and they do the same thing over and over um where in the private club industry or the restaurant industry in general 
don't know. It's every day is different. You know, right. you don't know what's going to get thrown at you. But at, at the club, it was fun because golf events and um, weddings and, you know, you're dealing with the pool and you're dealing with, you know, so-and-so needs a drink out on the eighth right, hole right. and the beverage cart girl's lost. And, you know, like <laughs> there's all sorts of stuff right, going on and right. you have all these moving parts and like to try to keep it all together. Um, some days you, you know. The beverage cart girl's <laughs> lost. That's oh, a good I, one. I did get yeah. that call. And, I, and they even had maps. And uh, but it was, I mean, you know, it's a big sprawling uh, yeah. acreage. Yeah. So I, oh, yeah, I the understand. first day or first yeah, day or two yeah, it was job, her, yeah, it was her first time. Yeah. And, uh, and she right. called me and said she was lost. And, uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, so that was, uh, <laughs> um, you know, at first it was kind of like, how are you lost? I gave you a map. And then I kind of found out where she was. And I said, oh, I get it, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, and um, so it was, uh, that part of it was a lot of fun. And uh, just like I said, every day was different. And it was always just, it was just fun. So you uh, you finally had it about your 27 or so. And mm-hmm. so what where, where'd you go next after that? Uh, so after that, um, one of the members at Northland was the president of the Kichigami Club at that time. Oh, okay. And they had, they'd either parted ways or they were the general manager at that time at the Kitch, at the Kitch was uh, was retiring. Um, so he kind of said, hey, you know, you should throw your name in the hat. I really like what you do here. You know, it, it's a little different, obviously, facility. You don't have so many moving parts. It might be, you know, a good way for you to, to step up a little bit further. And I knew that at Northland, I wasn't going to go anywhere because my counterpart or, or my direct supervisor was the GM. And, and uh, you know, he's like a second dad to me, but he, uh, I knew he wasn't going anywhere. So right. I was like, okay. And I had dreams of like wanting to be at a big club somewhere in a big city, but I don't know. I just, I like Duluth and I wanted to stay right. here. So, so I had the opportunity to apply for the job at the kitchen. It was the first time I really had sat down in like a formal boardroom interview process where, you know, you have 10 people sitting on one side of a table and you're by yourself right. on the other, um, kind of like this, but yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. a little more stressful yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and they just, had a little more control over your life at that point. They did. We yeah. Did. <laughs> yeah. So they, they definitely, uh, they definitely kind of held it in their hands and they, um, and you know, fired questions, asked me at me and asked about my, my previous experience and what I did at Northland and certain situations at Northland, how I would handle them if they happened at the kitchen. And, and I was 27 or 26, right. 26, 27 at the time. And I just thought there was no way, like how, is this club that's been around for hundred some years is going to hire a young kid is, I mean, I just was more doing it for the interview experience more than anything else. And so I uh, went through the interview process. Uh, then I had another interview with some other, so I had a first interview with the search committee. And then my second interview was with the actual board of directors. And I knew, I mean, there's a lot of crossover in membership right, from right, North right. into the kitchen. So I was still very, very nervous, but it was more comforting because I knew a lot of the people right, already. Right. Um, and they knew who I was and they know they knew kind of how I acted and whatnot and how I carried myself. And, and they, uh, yeah, so they interviewed me and a couple of weeks went by and I thought, oh, I'm never going to get the job. And, and I kind of told Northland, hey, I'm going to apply for this. And, and they were fine with it. And they also thought there's no way, you know, that you're going <laughs> to get the job. And, and all of a sudden the the head hunter, the guy that headed up the search committee showed up at Northland one day. And it was after a really busy, like a July day or August day or something like that. And, and uh, he showed up and I said, oh, Mr. So-and-so, how are you? And he said, oh, good. And he goes, can I talk to you for a second? And I said, yeah, sure. And so I kind of was building myself up right, for the letdown, right, you know, right. and uh, walked outside and he goes, you know, I just want to let you know that, you know, he interviewed really well and he answered the questions really well. And for a young guy, you know, you really carry yourself well. And, and, you know, people were impressed and I kept, was like, okay, right, yeah, right. yeah, where's the butt? Where's the butt? Yeah. And he goes, and that's why we want to hire you. And I went, what? <laughs> and uh, he said, yeah, we're going to send you a letter and right. lay out kind of what we want to pay you and whatnot. And I was just floored. I, I kind of walked back into the, into Northland and he left and I walked in and I didn't know, even know what to 
say I was floored. And uh, one of the guys comes up to me. He's what's going on? And I said, I got the job. And he goes, you got the job? And I said, <laughs> yeah. And he goes, holy cow. He goes, looks at me. He goes, and Gary was the name of our my boss at that time. He goes, Gary's going to kill you. And I said, well, he knows. He goes, he's still going to kill you. And I'm like, I know this is going to be so hard because he was like again, right. like a second dad to me. But so, yeah. So they, they sent me the letter and they sent me the whole salary offer. And it was way more than I was making at, the, <laughs> at Northland at that time and was just like, yeah, I'm taking it, you know. Right, right. But I never thought of being a young guy and walking into a very well-established, didn't really know all the, everything that went on there. And uh, and I was there for four years and it was a great experience. Um, you know, again, like sitting in board meetings with the movers and shakers of, right, of Duluth right. and the heads of Cirrus and people, you know, the guys from, you know, huge corporate uh, entities coming from all over the country right. and all over the world that were coming to the kitch to have lunch or dinner. Right. And, and you have to put on a show for them, you know? Right. Um, and, and it was, uh, it was fun, but there was a lot, when you're a, you're a food and beverage director, you have tasks. When you're a GM, right. you kind of have the whole overseeing of everything. Right. So and right. they looked at me and said, Hey, we need you to make a capital improvement budget for the next 10 years. And then forecast it 10 years after that. I kind of said, huh? Yeah. Right. Right. A capital what? <laughs> you know, like, what are you talking about? And so. What a great learning experience. Yeah. Like, it holy was, cow. Yeah. It was cool. It was, uh, it was neat and it was, uh, it was a lot of fun and it was very challenging. Um, so yeah, and so you were there for how long? Four years. Four years, and then just the hours got to you, or well, my son was born, and you know the way the club world kind of works is, uh, you know, as a GM, you, you you have control, but you don't really have control, right? Right, and you're kind of told this is the direction we're going to go in. And uh, it just got to the point where it, they wanted to do one thing and I kind of saw something else. And, and it just, our, our ideals or thoughts didn't match. And right. I kind of looked at it and just kind of said, well, maybe maybe you guys would be better off with somebody else. And, and I was ready to be, you know, not working weekends, not working holidays and spend right. more time with my son at that mm-hmm. point. So. All right. Well, listen, we have to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Lake yep. Superior Medical Equipment. And uh, I promise we're going to get into Sir Ben's <laughs> and all that is Sir Ben's. And uh, we will be, uh, we will be right back with uh, Josh Stotts. Hi, Tom. What are you doing? I'm on hold on the phone trying to talk with someone in customer service. So far, I've just been talking to machines. Oh, hang on, Yvonne. Uh, customer service, please. No, I don't want to listen to the menu again. I just, custo- uh, customer service, please. I No, I just want to talk to a human being. No, a human being. Oh, never mind, Yvonne. I just got disconnected. You know, Tom, there is still one company that thinks it's important for you to talk to a human being when you call for service, Lake Superior Medical Equipment. Really? You mean I won't have to talk to machines? No, their phones are answered by real people who know about the products and services they offer. So I can get answers to my questions right away? Yes, and from knowledgeable and friendly customer service representatives who are committed to answer your questions and promptly get you the right medical equipment and supplies you need. Yeah, but are these customer service representatives just scattered all over the country? No, Tom. Lake Superior Medical Equipment's customer service staff actually work at their locations in Duluth and Cloquet. So they live and work right here in our community? Yes. In fact, Lake Superior Medical Equipment is the only locally owned and independent medical equipment provider in our region. Okay, you've convinced me, Yvonne. When I need medical equipment and supplies, I'm calling Lake Superior Medical Equipment. And you'll be glad you did. Lake Superior Medical Equipment, the area's only locally owned and independent home medical Medical equipment and supply company staffed by real people who really care. Visit us on our website at lsmedequip.com. 
Duluth.com. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook at For the Love of Duluth Podcast and Lake Superior Medical Equipment. All right. We are back with Josh Stotts. Josh is the owner of Sir Ben's, uh, Sir Benedict's Tavern on the lake in uh, Duluth, Minnesota. We have been talking with Josh about his uh, journey to uh, how he, he came to own Sir Ben's. And uh, Josh, when we left off, you had just uh, left the Gichigami Club and uh, after four years there. And then what did you what did you do after that? Um, so I was lucky enough to have a relationship with basically our sales guy at the Kitsch um, who sold us all of our food. And he worked for uh, U.S. Foods, which is a broadline food distributor nationwide. And uh, he had mentioned to me that, you know, I asked, what are you doing now? And I said, ah, nothing. I'm just kind of kind of take some time to myself. And, and uh, he said that they were looking for a sales guy in Duluth and that I should apply for it. And so again, went through the whole interview process and which was a little different than it is now. So they hired me there and, and it was a pretty rigorous training process. I had to be down in the cities for eight weeks. Um, and you were down there Monday through Friday and then you, I got to go home on the weekends, um, which was a little tough having a little baby at home and my wife right, wasn't right. too happy about it. But yeah, so I uh, got on board with U.S. Foods and, and uh, it was really neat to be able to kind of get in every kitchen in town. I, you know, uh, the places that the other people weren't selling. Uh, my job was basically to go out and try to drum up business. So I would walk in and cold call chefs and cold call restaurant owners or bar managers or mm-hmm. whoever I could get in front of and, and try to uh, get a new customer out of them, get them to switch sure. from buying their burgers from Cisco or Upper Lakes Foods right. to U.S. Foods and how we were different and, you know, tell the story. And so how big was your territory? What- uh, so I covered Duluth, Superior, um, Ashland, Washburn, Bayfield, Madeline Island, Hurley, and Ironwood. Oh, okay. So that's a big area, but Mm -hmm. for the most part, you weren't having to travel for long trips. You were able to, to be around with your family and everything oh, yeah. like that and, and better hours than you had in the in the uh, restaurant, the club business. Yeah, I kind of tell people I was on vacation for two years working 40 hours a week. It was pretty <laughs> cool. <laughs> like, the hard part was like saying to my wife, like, hey, let's go out to dinner on a you know right. Friday night. And never did we ever go out for dinner on a Friday night. And you walk in, you're like, wow, these places are all really busy. <laughs> and so uh, it was a big change from going out on a, like a Sunday or a Monday to, right. uh, to a weekend. And um and but yeah, it was uh, it was great experience. It was it was really fun, and it was without doing that job, I don't know if I would have ever um, had the understanding and or the kind of confidence to be like, okay, I can do this. Because you know, when you go talk to everybody and you're talking to chefs and restaurant owners, and you kind of are almost like a bartender without pouring drinks because you hear all the the problems. You know, right, the, right, right. What what the kitchen managers don't like about the owners, or what the owners don't right. like about the kitchen managers, and <laughs> what they don't like about their food purveyors um, and the daily challenges that they go through. And so it was, uh, it was neat to walk in their doors and, and kind of be like, Oh, okay, well, so this is what employees are really looking for. This is what owners are really looking for. And, and, uh, I I think it really kind of a light bulb went off in my head, like, okay, I kind of get it. You know, at the end of the day, everybody just wants to be treated equally and have expectations and follow through with them, not only from management to employee, but employee to management as well. So, so this is what maybe you're, 2012, something like that? Yeah. So when I, I started at um, U.S. Foods, 2012. Yeah. Okay. 2012, 2012. And so you were still a 
relatively young guy at this point, right? Yeah. With an incredible amount of experience yeah. Yeah, in the in the food serious. and service industry, mm-hmm. but you're a young guy. Mm-hmm. So now um, you're at U.S. Foods. Mm-hmm. What was your connection with Sir Benz? Were they a client of yours? My manager at U.S. Foods kind of gave me a task and said, we want Sir Benz as a customer. And um, they said they had been trying to get Sir Benz for 20 years and nobody could ever get Sir Benz to be a U.S. Foods customer. And, and I kind of said, well, I know the owner. And they and they said, oh, you know the owner? And so, how did you know the owner? So I knew Antonino and Aura um, from Vibene because they were actually part of Vibene when it first opened. Oh, they were? Oh, um, wow. They were okay. part owners of the building okay. with the Barducci's. Oh, interesting. Um, so, and Antonino with his Italian background, you know, would come down and talk pasta a lot. Right, right, right. Italian food. So I said, well, I can go in and talk to him. And, and so I went in and and, uh, and Antonino said, hey, you know, I haven't seen you in a long time. You know, and his, his kind of uh, Italian accent that he had, I can't do it very well, but. Um, and I think I kinda, you did it really well. Yeah, thanks. And I, and I, he asked what I was doing and I said, uh, you know, I work at U.S. Foods now and, you know, just kind of wondering where you're buying food from and kind of tell me about your business, what what's working, what's not, what are your, some of your challenges and. Maybe we can, you know, help each other out. And uh, and of course, it was right at the beginning of the summer. So anybody in Duluth knows that any restaurant in any of the area of Duluth in the summertime is not a good time to try to make a change. Right. It was like the first year tall ships were coming to town and all that. And so I, I worked the summer, you know, kind of learning their business and, you know, learning their buying patterns and what sold and what didn't. And, and it took, I mean, it's not something for any restaurant that to switch a provider. Right. It's a slower sales yeah, cycle. Yeah. It's yeah. a very slow sales cycle. And you're essentially, you're trying to build that relationship more than anything else. Right. Um, if they trust you and you and you know, then there's that feeling because in the liquor industry, only one person or beer industry, only one person sells this beer. So if you want Bud Light, you can only get it from Bob. You know, right. If you want Miller Light, you get it from Joe. Well, everybody sells burgers, everybody right. sells chips, and at the end of the day, it's your relationship with them and obviously your price because right. and food margins are, are small. Right. Um, so it took the entire summer to really kind of understand their business and and kind of set kind of show them what US Foods as a company could offer and at that time it was very advanced in technology that could help operators and whatnot um, so I really tried to sell him on that part of it and did a lot of legwork for him and and he rewarded me with an order I mean everybody my boss was through the moon he could not believe it and uh, and Anthony you know, and I were able to you know build a really good relationship and, and his wife Aura as well and uh, yeah so they became a customer a customer of mine and they were kind of the, the feather in the cap for me in the, in the sales right. world to be like yeah I Got well, them, well that's know? that's great. That's yeah. great. So you got you started this relationship, mm-hmm. and so as I understand it, then they decided that they wanted to move back to Italy. Were they from originally from Italy? Yeah. So Antonino uh, was originally from Italy, and his parents had a pretty substantial tile business. Um, sure. So like Italian tiles, yeah. painted tiles, Italian pottery over in Italy, and they were kind of falling in, unfortunately, in, in poor health, and um, were getting up there in age, and they were having a hard time running the business um, by themselves and so Antonino and Oro were and their kids were kind of getting to an older age where they could they could essentially move so they were trying to plan out an opportunity to be able to move to Italy and uh, they still had Sir Ben's kind of holding them so yeah so they asked me if I'd run it for them and and I just kind of said what does that mean what (laughs) what are you talking about it was it was okay but at that time I was not ready well right because you're going from 40 hours a week back to 80 hours a week yeah Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're doing it for somebody else 
Right, know? right, right. And that was the hardest part, even working for U.S. Foods, was like, okay, what do I do every day? Like, I don't have somebody telling me what to do. So, yeah, so I thought about it and talked to my wife a lot, and and she was very much against it, and I was very much against it. And, and I just, I told them I, I appreciated the offer, and I said, I'm more than happy to kind of point you in the direction. I, I have all these customers. I know all these people in town. I'm sure I could find somebody to, to run it for you. And they kind of, oh, okay, you know, that sounded good. And, and we just kind of left it at that. And uh, they kind of, again, got through the summer. And at the end of the summer, I was down there in their office doing something. And uh, he said, you know how we asked you to to run Sir Ben's? And I said, yeah, yeah. And he goes, what about if you bought it? And I kind of looked at him and I said, what? Mm-hmm. He goes, well, what about if you bought it? And I said, well, is it for sale? And he goes, it could be. <laughs> and uh, and they were both there and, and they just, they kind of said that they were at the point where they wanted to move and they were much like, I think anybody, it's a baby, you know, right, 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 your business right. is your baby. Yeah. And um, they wanted to make sure that if they were going to sell it, they were going to sell it to somebody that would keep it as their Benz. Right. You know, it's been around since 1978. And so, yeah, they were going to move anyways. But if you were to sell it to Caribou or to Domino's or Taco Bell or whatever it is and tear it down or make it different, you would have to move regardless right, <laughs> as right, a person. Right. Um, and so that was a kind of a shock and I kind of walked out of there just you know kind of stars in the eyes was like man I don't know like buying a business I'm 35 years old like you know, that's I, amazing I don't, know young. If, I don't know if I can do this and I might have been 34 at the time and I was just like ah I just I don't know and and so a couple of days later I was having a beer with a buddy of mine and and he said, uh, you know, how's work going? I said, pretty good. I said, you won't believe what happened. And he said, what? And and I said, well, you got to keep it to yourself because it's I'm kind of confidentiality. Right. And and he was an he's an accountant, so he knows about it. And, and I told him, you know, they they asked me to buy it. And he said, you should do it. I said, well, <laughs> I said, I don't have any money to buy a restaurant. You know, I, I'm barely paying my mortgage. You know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and so uh, so he said, well, you should ask him for this and ask him for that and get some you know tax returns from them and right, find out right. what they're you know get an idea of what they're looking at. And so I kind of. I told him I said hey I'm, I'm interested and um, but I, I just need to see some numbers and this right. is what I'm looking for and and they said okay well you know if you're willing to sign a piece of paper and, and sign the NDA, you know, right. yeah sign yeah. an NDA and and put some earnest money down that we'll give back to you if if you're not interested right. or if it doesn't work out um, so I did that and uh, kind of going back to the kitchen Northland um, you know I reached out to some of the people that I knew there um, somebody that uh, was very heavily involved with a bank in town and I said hey can I talk to you about this and he was a business owner and owned a lot of very large businesses in Duluth and, and I said hey I've got an opportunity I just kind of want to just pick your brain and how does this work what right. does it look like and so we sat down and I you know kind of showed him I said this is kind of where they're at and it seems like they're making money and you know and he goes is the property involved and I said I don't really know and he goes <laughs> right. okay well so he put me in touch with my attorney and then he said I want you to go to this bank and talk to this person and and you're more than likely going to have to go through the SBA which is the small business administration and and so yeah long story short uh, it took a year about a year and a half almost a year and a half to finalize everything right. um, but uh you know, kind of took, I had a 401k in retirement thing that I had and I withdrew everything out of that. Ooh. And luckily I had a family member that was, I mean, he's very small, small part of it, right. but he helped me because the SBA kind of had a, when you work through the SBA, it reduces the bank's risk. And then it also reduces your um, upfront money that you have. Right, to put right, right. Um, and uh, at the same time you pay a higher interest rate and there's some other stipulations that you have to, to go by for 10 years. You know, I, I talked to him and, and I said, you know, this is, this is what it is and this is what I'm looking at doing and I don't need a lot of money and I'm not looking for a partner or anything, but I just, you know, I'm looking for somebody to be like a 5% owner and right. but just somebody in the background, but this is the dollar amount I need. Right. And uh, he's like, absolutely. 
Let's do it. Wow, that's great. And so, yeah, so um, the SBA is not easy to work with, as I'm sure you know. You know, there's a lot of forms and a lot of proving yourself. Yeah, and it's funny because did you buy this in 2015? Well, yeah, I mean, we closed the deal in 2015. Yeah, Yeah. that's when I bought my business here. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, um, you buy the business. Mm -hmm. You get through. You get through all the hurdles. You buy the business. You own Sir Ben's. The beautiful thing about Sir Ben's is it's an own entity, right? Mm -hmm. didn't have to go and build the brand or anything like that. Right. It was an established business and man, is it established. So your main your main job once you buy it is not to screw it up, right? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of what it was like. Yeah. It was like, yeah. okay. You know, I just, you know, when, you, when we, and it was literally, you know, they closed on the, whatever last day of March was and, and we opened the doors at 11 a.m. on April 1st and it was ours. And, right, right. And there was really nobody knew about it other than, right. you know, our, the team that was there at the time. Yeah, it was, it was scary and it was kind of, and, and luckily, I mean, Antonino kind of stuck around for a couple of weeks right, to right. kind of help me through some of it, but um, you know, you you don't realize that. Oh, so now the lights are on, and I got to pay for this, and these people punched <laughs> in. I got to. I hope I sell something today. You yeah, know, like, yeah, because you're seeing. The, yeah, like, you know the meters running the and all the all, all the labor, and you, <laughs> yep, you, yeah, yeah. But you do sell things because every time I go to Sir Ben's, it's packed. So it's and yeah. it's uh, it's it's a wonderful vibe in that place. I just I tell you what, I, and the, I think the food is is really really good, and. You know, it's not like a secret because everyone goes there and it's always packed, as I say. But I think the food is, it's its a great vibe, but the food is really, really good. Like you wouldn't just keep having the same people coming in there over and over and over again if the food wasn't really good. That's so it sort of starts with that. You can mm-hmm. have as great a vibe as you want and that might last for a year. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have quality products, if you don't have good food, it's going to its gonna die out. But you've got great food and then you You've just uh, well. We'll talk about talk about some of the stuff you did. You did make some, some changes to mm-hmm. the menu. Yeah, I mean, so uh, I mean, everything kind of is all intertwined. So the our, our kitchen manager, um, uh, his name's Rick. Uh, he uh, was actually working at a different restaurant in Duluth, and I knew that Sir Ben's was looking for a kitchen manager, and I also knew at that time that I was also in the process of buying Sir Ben's. And so I kind of whispered in his ear and said, hey, you know, like he's super passionate, super hardworking, um, very prideful, you know, really cares. Right. And and I mean, at the end of the day, that's, you, right. can't, you can't pay somebody to, no, to be like that. No, because that's that's the culture that's going to start at the top and work its way down. If yeah. you don't have it, it never is never going to come back up the other way. Correct. It's, it's got to start at the top. Yeah. So I, uh, so I kind of whispered in his ear and said, hey, you know, uh, Sir Ben's is looking for a kid manager. I know you're, you're not super happy here. So maybe, you know, you should throw your name in the ring. And so then I talked to them and said, Hey, I know this guy and you should hire him. And he's really talented and really smart and, and very passionate. And so they all met together and Antonino and Nora hired him as the kitchen manager. And I thought, yes, I got, wow. I got my guy. Wow. And so um, he knew what was going on and he was one of the few that did. And I mean, and without him, yeah, I'm, I'm a firm believer that without your team, you're nothing. You know? uh, absolutely. I can't, I, mean, yeah. Yeah, I can cook, but I can't cook like he can and, oh. I, and and how he builds his recipes and builds his his soups and and just the thought process that he puts into it is uh, I mean I, I it, it's an ability that I don't have right and right. without him you know that and I tell him that all the time I was like you know you're the you know it's kind of yin and yang you know and and for him too it was a lot of like trying to tell him like hey man you are good and you are good right. enough and you can do this and uh, and I think from my experience at U.S. Foods so many times you'd hear like oh I'm just all I ever hear is negative and all right. I ever hear is how bad it is and or and when 
usually it's that's 10% of the time, you know, right. Um, nobody tells you the 90% of the time when it's right. great. Exactly. Um, so he and I kind of worked and, and I, you know, then my first couple of days I said, I'm just going to kind of sit here and I'm going to learn, you know, I'm right. Watch what you guys do and, and learn the process and learn the systems and why you do what you do. And so I literally, for the first three, four months, I just washed dishes. I ran food. I worked the register. I, I was there open to close, but I wanted to learn every job, you know, and why they did what they did. And, uh, and there was a few times where I kind of looked at him and I said, why do you do it like that? And he said, I don't know. He's like, that's just what I was told to do. And I said, well, you think there's a better way? And he said, well, yeah. And I said, well, let's do it that way then. Yeah. Like, what do you think? Yeah. And, um, and so really trying to kind of involve him. And then he, and he kind of exudes that passion and, and again, the care, you know, to the rest of our team. And, right. uh, and that's invaluable. I mean, you, you can pay people a million dollars a year to do a job, but you can't pay them to care. No, nope. nope. That's uh, I couldn't agree more. So he's really, I mean, as a as a group effort, you know, as a combined effort, we really um, work hard to make fresh food. Um, you know, not have stuff be frozen, not have sauces be frozen, soups be frozen. Like really try to make it fresh every day. And and I think uh, and then their their passion for what they do, and it's just a sandwich. I mean, it is it is just a sandwich, but to make it with love and to make it with care and to make it with passion is makes it 10 times better yeah oh it's it's never just a sandwich (laughs) you know i i know a a guy now and he's probably the best known chef in minneapolis a guy named gavin case and he do you know him i I don't know him personally but i follow him a lot he he started at a subway and he was making sandwiches at a subway Mm -hmm. and this guy would come in and he started coming in all the time to watch him make sandwiches and finally the guy said look i'm coming in a lot of the time i don't even eat the sandwiches but i see how much care you you put into each sandwich you make and and so he wound up uh hiring gavin to be uh, you know a cook at his restaurant okay. and kind of the rest is history right yeah. oh yeah he's, he's, i don't know how many james beard awards he's won he, oh he's so successful yeah, yeah. yeah he's he's, he's and, and i went to his, his uh, restaurant out in new york a couple times and just uh you know, now he's in Minneapolis. He's just fabulous yeah. chef, and so it's never just a sandwich because mm-hmm. yeah, well. <laughs> if, if yeah. there's if you put enough care into it, it's mm-hmm. uh, and and the person who's eating it, it's not just a sandwich, right? Right. right. So and you guys don't. It's never just a sandwich there. And I I you know my my go to there is kind of is the British dip, and and oh, yeah. I, I don't know why. I think because I people sometimes refer to me as a British dip, at least <laughs> not necessarily with a British part. But in any event, it's my it's my favorite sandwich i get the soup there and just like oh my gosh and it's you know it's one of those things i can order all the time and it always tastes as good as it did the last time and that's just great great quality control Mm -hmm. and and the service there is fabulous the people that you have there whether it's the bartenders or the servers Mm -hmm. are just i've just i've not had a bad experience there so uh, you know i know i'm I'm gushing maybe a little bit here but you've got a hell of a business and uh, i know we're running out of time but i gotta tell our our listeners here if you haven't been to sir ben's it's about as iconic as things get unless they're going to put a restaurant on the top by the lift bridge. I don't think there's a more ever going to be a more iconic stop than Sir Ben's right uh, right on the lake. Um, and uh, it's just a fabulous place. Um, Josh, you've been a, a great sport here. What do you like to do uh, when you're not running Sir Ben's? What do you like to do in Duluth? Oh man, I love to, I, I love to fish. That's my, kind of my passion is fishing, um, biking, hiking, uh, taking my kids out. Um, I think there's nothing better than just being a tourist in town. 
some, you know. Right, right. You always can find yourself a little gem like, oh, I didn't know this was here or this park or, or whatever it might be. And, and just, you know, my favorite time in Duluth is the winter um, just because yeah. I, I don't know why I was born in January. So I'm a winter, <laughs> winter baby. But, um, but I think, you know, just seeing the people and, and being a part of our community is great. And um, we're just very fortunate to be here and very fortunate and, and lucky to have the people we get to have to, to work with and to have walked through our doors on a, on a daily basis. It's uh, it's pretty neat. It's it's really cool to be a part of. Well, it's fabulous. Fabulous for you to be here. I know we, we haven't touched on everything Sir Benz does. You've got music that's fabulous. It's it's the first place that the Trampled by Turtles ever played, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, what nights do you have music? So we have music Monday through Saturday. Um, so Monday, wow! Yeah, so so pretty, yeah. every day, every day we're open. We're closed on Sundays right now. Yeah, wow! Um, but yeah, every day we're open. We have music, um, whether it's open mic or T. Galaxy playing on Mondays, or you know Gavin St. Clair or Rory Van James or Quiet Ike. I mean, we have we, we try to be a spot for everybody and and uh, give people an opportunity to play in front of a crowd. So we're uh, we're fortunate again to have so many talented musicians in town that that want to play and are willing to play and and they're really good at what they do. So. Yeah, and we are we are uh, recording this podcast at the basement of uh, Uso's uh, Concert Cafe. And I know the I know the community here. Everyone seems to, even if you're competitors, everyone sort of supports everyone else. Have you found that to be the case? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I uh, I mean, I, I talk to Jason a lot and ask him like, hey, how do you do this? Or how do you go about that? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, for him to do what he's done with Uso's is mm-hmm. is far beyond, you know, buying a place. I mean, to, right. to start something from scratch is uh, is very scary. And to, and to do what he's done for 20 years now. Right. Um, in a town that wasn't used to it um, yeah. is is pretty cool. And uh, and I remember even as a young kid coming here and seeing Atmosphere for the first time or, you know, <laughs> before they were Atmosphere. I mean, it was just yeah. Slug and, and whoever he was with, you know, and and uh, my buddy's like, who's that? I'm like, oh, there are these really good rappers from the cities. And, uh, but I, you know, coming here as a kid before I even knew, knew Jason. So, um, but even other places in town, whether it's the breweries or there are other restaurants, yeah, yeah we're in competition. But at the same time, you can't feed 85,000 people a day. And right. You can't feed the millions of people that walk through, you know, our city on an annual basis. Right. So right. Um, if we all work together, um, we're stronger together. And uh, and we try to send people everywhere. You know, people come in, they say, oh, you don't have burgers. It's like, no, I'm sorry, we don't have burgers. So you can go to, you know, you the Pickwick or the Brew House right, or Seven right. West or, you know, there's plenty of places around right. town to get a right. good burger. And um, right. so we just try to, you know, promote our city and promote everything we have to offer. And, and I think, you know, the old saying is what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So right. what's good for the gander? Well, that's, that's fabulous. Oh, yes, yeah, this is something know. like that. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could help you. Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and I know we, 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 we didn't touch on COVID. I know like any restaurant, you had to close for a while, but I also know that you wound up opening things up on the patio, even in the dead of winter. And, mm-hmm. and so it's, you've, you've been a fabulous success story. Uh, I'm not surprised given the background that you had. Um, I and a good team, yeah, so you have a great important. team and that's, uh, that's a, that's a testament to you and, and to, for you to, to know that it's, it's all about your team. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the key, I think. So, uh, anyway, it has been fabulous for you to, to, uh, spend some time here. I know you're, uh, you're busy and, and, uh, and don't have a lot of time. So we really, uh, appreciate uh, your time with us and, and good luck and just great success. And I'll, uh, I'll probably see you next time I'm at Sir Ben's. <laughs> well, thanks so much for having me. We really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, the podcast is great. I've had an opportunity to listen to quite a few of the episodes. So it's, well, great. Uh, it's cool what you guys are doing. So. Well, great. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of 
for the love of Duluth. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for For the Love of Duluth. If you like what you heard on this episode, please leave us a five-star review and let us know. Thank you. We'll see you next time for another brand new episode of For the Love of Duluth.